From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Monday edition, invading Russian forces are facing strong resistance from Ukrainians fighting to defend their freedom. We'll get a live report from CBN senior international correspondent George Thomas, who is in Ukraine. A frustrated Vladimir Putin could be a very dangerous Vladimir Putin. We've seen Mr. Putin's announcement. Um, uh, we believe it's as unnecessary as it is escalatory, but uh, we're reviewing and analyzing that uh, that announcement. That was Pentagon spokesman John Kirby responding to a question regarding Putin's announcement that his nuclear forces have been put on high alert. We'll be joined by FRC's executive vice president, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, for that conversation. Also, the big wheels are rolling. In our American Freedom Convoy segment, we'll talk with freelance correspondent Michael Yan, who is embedded in the People's Convoy that is in Missouri today and on their way to the nation's capital. He joins us later here on Washington Watch. And the U.S. Senate returned to D.C. today, and the first order of business is to vote within the next hour on the Women's Health Protection Act, the intentionally misnamed measure we've been warning you about. Congress must codify into law what most Americans have long believed, that abortion is a fundamental right, and that women's decisions over women's health care belong to women, not, not to extremist right-wing legislatures. That was Democratic Senate Leader Chuck Schumer earlier today. The provision being pushed by congressional Democrats would overturn most, if not all, pro-life measures adopted by the state's over the last 40 years. We'll get the latest from Kansas Senator Dr. Roger Marshall later here on Washington Watch. On Friday, President Biden announced his pick to replace retiring Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. So today, I'm pleased to nominate Judge Jackson, who will bring extraordinary qualifications, deep experience and intellect, and a rigorous judicial record to the court. Judge Jackson deserves to be confirmed as the next Justice of the Supreme Court. Katanja Brown-Jackson's nomination follows a well-funded campaign of dark money. What does her judicial record tell us? Why does the left want her on the bench so badly? Will she face GOP opposition in her Senate confirmation process? We'll talk with Carrie Severino, president of Judicial Crisis Network. Also, we'll go to Canada, where Pastor Arthur Palowski remains in jail after he was arrested for speaking to truckers during the recent Freedom Convoy. We'll get the latest on the pastor from Canadian reporter Adam Sos. That's coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, you can find it all later archived at TonyPerkins.com. In fact, share that with your friends. This evening, in advance of President Biden's State of the Union address at 8 p.m. Eastern time, I'll give a state of faith, family, and freedom in America. You can tune in. You can watch it here at TonyPerkins.com or at FRC.org. Our verse for today does not come from our two-year Bible reading plan, which is Leviticus 4 through 6. It comes from Psalm 37, 1 through 3. Do not fret because of evildoers. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Don't let the evil of this world steal your joy. Look to, trust in, and walk with Jesus. To be a part of our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. You can also join me every morning at 844 Eastern Time 
for a devotional based on the Bible reading plan. You can find that on Facebook or right here at TonyPerkins.com. Earlier today, Ukrainian delegation met with a Russian delegation on the Ukraine uh, border for the first time, uh, for first talks rather, between the two nations since Russia, be in the, uh, Russia began their invasion. invasion. With me now uh, to give an update on the escalating situation is CBN senior international correspondent George Thomas, who is reporting live from Ukraine. George, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me, Tony. So what happened uh, in this uh, discussion in Belarus uh, between the two parties? Any resolution? Uh, no. Uh, I mean, they met for about six hours. There were no preconditions. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, this is the first time that the two sides have met uh, since uh, Russia invaded about four days ago, going on to five days ago. Uh, from the Ukrainian side, it was a complete withdrawal and a ceasefire. From the Russian side, it was the demilitarized of Ukraine, that uh, A, all Ukrainians need to uh, lay down their weapons, and number two, that uh, the weapons that are scheduled to uh, pour into uh, Ukraine uh, from, uh, from NATO and other European countries and the United States need to, in essence, uh, seize as well. Uh, there is some talk that uh, they will do a second round uh, in coming days, but uh, Zelensky, ahead of uh, today's meeting, uh, set a very, very low bar uh, pretty much uh, dampened any uh, kind of major breakthrough or expectations. George, given the actions of uh, Vladimir Putin to this point, could this be just another stalling tactic? Uh, potentially. I, I mean, look, I, I think the reality is that they, they did not anticipate uh, the 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 level of resistance from the Ukrainians. Uh, uh, they have uh, to date not captured any major territory, major city uh, in the entire country. Uh, and uh, but also concerning uh, is the fact that uh, Tony only a quarter of Russia's uh, forces that have massed along the border uh, have been deployed, and there is serious concern. Uh, that, uh, that that could uh, at any time be unleashed. Obviously, there is frustration uh, on the part of Kremlin because they had thought that they could just uh, roll their tanks across the Crimean Bridge in the south, uh, roll across the Belarusian uh, uh, border to the north, uh, and then uh, come across uh, to the eastern side, and within uh, a few hours, maybe a day or two, uh, seize the capital, Kiev. Uh, and that has not happened. But let's be very, very clear. Nothing in the in Putin's paradigm has shifted in terms of his military objectives, and the military objectives uh, still stand. They are one to, in essence, decapitate Zelensky from power, replace him uh, with uh, with a puppet regime, uh, and, in essence, take at least, at the moment, uh, half the country. Uh, and uh, that, that mission is still uh, uh, moving forward. Uh, George, now you mentioned one of the demands is that the Ukrainians disarm. They lay down their weapons. You have not only the Ukrainian military, you have the the guard that's been called up, but you have civilians uh, that have been called into this battle, uh, and, and they are armed. Uh, I mean, this this shows what an uh, armed citizenry can do. It can actually defend a country. Absolutely, and I think what it also shows, uh, uh, Tony, is that uh, Ukrainians are willing to sacrifice every drop of their blood 
to protect their nation. Uh, and that's uh, in contrast to the to the Russian army. Uh, what are they fighting for? In fact, you've seen the videos that have gone viral uh, on, on, on Twitter and Facebook and other social media platforms, uh, you know, for uh, basically cities, uh, uh, streets that uh, the local a population comes out and bravely stands in front of uh, columns of tanks and and, and stops uh, the Russians, Russians, the the troops forward uh, movement. Uh, so when you have a people, a civilian population that is absolutely determined to uh, protect their land, to protect the integrity and sovereignty of their land, absolutely, they will fight. Uh, and uh, everybody is taking up arms. Here in Lviv, uh, there were probably about 150, 200 civilians who um, who, who lined up this morning uh, to get weapons. Uh, Zelensky has reportedly sent out a tweet, in essence, uh, encouraging uh, foreign fighters and other Ukrainians who live overseas in the diaspora uh, to come back home and to fight. And so uh, this is what Zelensky has been telecasting to the entire world since all of this happened. He said, this is, we're fighting. I am, my country is like a shield against uh, uh, the, the world's, one of the world's largest armies. And that's the role that we have played over the last eight years. So the Ukrainians are absolutely determined uh, to, to protect their land, uh, to protect their, their territory. And George, I think they are exceeding all expectations in, uh, in doing that. And I think they're encouraging uh, people around the country to pray harder and uh, to stand with them. And I appreciate you uh, staying up uh, late there in Ukraine to, uh, to join us this evening. Thank you so much. Always great and a pleasure to be on your broadcast. All right. Thank you, George. George Thomas, uh, Senior International Correspondent for CBN News. Joining me now to give his assessment on the events unfolding in Ukraine is the Executive Vice President here at the Family Research Council, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who spent the last four of his 36 years uh, in the Army serving as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. He was also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. General, uh, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Good to be with you. Now, General, I uh, I, I had seen some videos uh, that were not circulated that were sent by some uh, not U.S. forces, but other forces that were embedded uh, there in Ukraine. And what I saw was that Ukrainians were putting uh, a lot of hurt on the Russian forces. Uh, is Vladimir Putin, did he, did he bite off more than he could chew run it, moving into Ukraine? Well, it certainly has not gone the way that he expected. As, uh, as uh, George just said, uh, he thought in a day or two that he'd have the capital and, and frankly, other population centers as well. And it, that hasn't happened. But uh, what, what people need to understand is that the Ukrainians have had one enemy since uh, they, were, uh, they became a sovereign nation. I think it was 91. They've had one enemy, and that was Russia. They've had plenty of time to prepare for it. They knew that it, ultimately this could happen, and uh, they have done great preparation. But the other thing is, the equalizer on the battlefield uh, is two things. It is unity or unit cohesion and a purpose. The Ukrainians have both. The Russians, it is very questionable because they've got a conscript military. They have a lot of young men out there that are not unlike American men, and, uh, and, and they have never been tested. This is their first combat. 
Remember that this this is an army that, other than a minor incursion into Chechnya, the last combat they saw, which was really not on this scale, was in '89 when they pulled out of Afghanistan. And this is a military that has, uh, I think, is totally incapable of doing what uh, Putin called on them to do with a very complex operation. So, yeah, I think he bit off more than he can chew. And if you look at those pictures of his two generals there in the meeting with him and you look at their faces, you have to understand that uh, this is uh, a bad time and it makes Putin even more dangerous. Yeah, that was my question for you. He has uh, made reference to putting his or he's actually put his nuclear forces on alert uh, is a frustrated Putin a dangerous Putin to the rest of the world? I don't think there's any question about that. And, uh, I mean, the, 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 there's more and more coming out on on his state of mind, on his cognitive skills and so forth. And you talking about uh, danger, if a man like this gets trapped uh, in, in the population centers in urban warfare, he is extremely dangerous. Yeah, that's my sense as, uh, as well. General Jerry Boykin, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us this afternoon. Good to talk with you. Thank you. All right, uh, I agree. And uh, in fact, 63% of Americans say they are concerned that uh, Russia may use nuclear weapons if NATO, which includes the United States, tries to interfere with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But if he goes beyond, Americans want us to take action. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. But coming up next, Defending Freedom. Our Defending Freedom convoy continues to move forward as hundreds of trucks and cars and other vehicles make their way here to Washington, D.C. We'll get an on-the-road update from Michael Yan next. Don't go away. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. 
At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. The trucker-led convoy that is heading toward Washington, D.C. continues to grow, picking up more trucks, cars, and other vehicles along the way, including other convoys that were making their way to D.C. as well. And the People's Convoy peacefully rolls through the country, carrying with them a call for freedom. And we're moving with them. Uh, To give us the latest update for our special Defending Freedom Convoy segment is Michael Yan. He is a war correspondent who's traveling with the People's Convoy. Michael, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, Tony. It's, it's massive. Uh, we started, this is part of the California to get in it. And, uh, wow, I'm sorry it's still loud. <laughs> Let me roll up the window. Uh, there's a, <laughs> I'm loving this. And so this is day six. We must have passed a good solid 100,000 people so far between the last six days. Uh, that's directionally accurate. I mean, of course, there's no way to count. Uh, but we had an airplane go up yesterday and, and shoot some video. And you can just see from that video how long it, it's at least 10 miles long. Uh, and uh, that's conservative, actually. And so it's growing every day. And this is just one tributary. So we started six days ago near Barstow, California. We're near Cuba, Owen, uh, near Cuba, Missouri right now. I see the sign. We pulled over to do this uh, interview to make sure we didn't drop signal. And uh, here, let me just show you some what's going on here. It's that it's so bumper to bumper traffic. Look at this. I mean, ten miles. <laughs> it's like you know, we're and it's just growing. But I think where it's really going to big is more like indianapolis because that's where the all the tributaries will come together right so uh, and and uh so far law enforcement has been very supportive uh for instance arizona uh uh let us go through without any vehicles but i've been in the semi trucks on some days and on other days in the suvs and the cars and uh and so uh arizona let us through without inspections no semi they closed the inspection stage and New Mexico did the same thing. We had no problems in Texas, of course. We had no problems in Oklahoma. Oklahoma law enforcement were on the side of the road waving at us. And they're doing it here, too. Two police just waved at us on the side of the road about 15 minutes ago. And so it's been good everywhere, actually. And so, But we, we're getting word that over in Washington, D.C., of course, they're spazzing out as they do. And, uh, and they're closing up the uh, beltway, apparently, with dump trucks and all that. You may know Sam Fattis, retired CIA friend, and he's 
he's sending me situation reports right now saying that, you know, they, of course, as you know, they've called out the National Guard because they're afraid of these peaceful people. And Vandersteel said yesterday, she's got a podcast, uh, steeltruth.com, and Vandersteel said, this is just like uh, a rolling MAGA uh, rally. I mean, which it is. And if you've been to, I've been out with Antifa, I've been out with, uh, you know, uh, BLM and all that, very dangerous with those guys. But with MAGA, it's always, you know, friendly. I don't have to wear a helmet. I don't have to worry about getting stabbed or shot. Uh, it's very friendly. It's a very up atmosphere. You can see, I, you can tell I, I look happy probably because I feel happy. Everybody around me is happy. They're all people out on the, here's a helicopter now, people on the sides of the road, mile after mile Sometimes it's just one man or woman. One guy on a bridge was alone. Sometimes there'd be like a thousand on a bridge. There was one guy on one bridge out in the middle of nowhere. He was jumping up and down like he was, uh, you know, from that castaway movie, you know, like he'd been on a desert island for three. He was just jumping up and down, just one guy. I love that. But as you can see, these, these visuals you're putting up, we've gone under hundreds of bridges like that, hundreds and fire trucks up there sometimes, giant flags, little children, elderly people. It's wonderful. Even Albuquerque, New Mexico, which, you know, is supposed to be Mr. Blueville City, but thousands and thousands in Albuquerque. I mean, it was unbelievable. It's just getting bigger, too. Well, and I think, Michael, what this has inspired people is that, you know, no matter where you are, what you have, you can make a difference with your voice for standing yeah. for freedom. And that's what, the, I mean, truckers are... You know, they're the average Joe guy out there. You know, they roll up and down the highway. And here they have taken it upon themselves to say, we're going to stand for freedom. Enough of this nonsense. And you're right. I've seen the pictures. I've watched as uh, people in law enforcement included have welcomed uh, the convoys. But you're right. As I as I came into Washington, D.C. last night, uh, the uh, the plows were out there ready to block the streets. You know, they're putting up uh, the, the fence again around the Capitol. So, uh, yeah, they're getting ready for those average. They're afraid of average Americans. And you know what? I think they should be not because of violence, but because they're going to vote and they're going to vote these people hopefully out of office. So this this type of overreach will end. It is time to take back our government peacefully, but take it back nonetheless. You know, one of the, you're absolutely right. You know, one of the, look at this guy running like a maniac down the, street, down the side. <laughs> There's a, 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 one of the things that I've seen a lot of out here is Canadian flags. And uh, one of the things I love about Americans is they're, they're showing gratitude for, because uh, I've asked many of the people with, uh, with the Canadian flags, uh, uh, where are you from? And they'll say, we're, they're, they're Americans. We're going to take off. And, but, you know, the, the Canadians gave us this idea. And we need to show gratitude. Look at this guy. Right. saved the flag. Oh, he just saved the flag. That's what he did. This guy saved the flag. That's what Liz told me. <laughs> Wave at him. <laughs> so, so he was running like a ma- maniac and somebody dropped the flag. Good job. You saved the flag. <laughs> Good job. All right, man. <laughs> oh, we got a dog with us. Well, Michael, I want to thank it's you for joining us, and, uh, and and hopefully we'll get another update from you. <laughs> so hopefully we'll get another update from uh, Michael as uh, they make their way in. In fact, we're going to be joined by one of the other uh, convoy organizers tomorrow because there will be a freedom rally on the na- nation's mall.
Uh, that's coming up, so we're going to be talking about that uh, tomorrow. But I, again, if you've got uh, you know one of these convoys coming through your community, you know join folks out there and 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 welcome them in and and encourage them. Use your voice while you have it to defend your right, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the freedom to assemble, which is under I tell you under this administration is at risk. The, the, the leftists are doing everything in this country to silence the people. That's why I'm so encouraged by these truckers and just average Americans out there doing what they can with what they have. All right, coming up next, the Senate is back. And the first major item on the legislative agenda tonight is not humanitarian and security aid for Ukraine. Nope, nope. Instead, the Democratic leadership wants to eradicate all pro-life protections across the nation. We're going to talk with Senator Roger Marshall next. Don't go away. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me remind you again tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time in advance of President Biden's State of the Union address. I'll be giving an address on the state of faith, family and freedom. That's tonight at 8 p.m. You can tune in here at TonyPerkins.com or you can go to FRC.org as well. All right. In just a little while, the Senate will have a cloture vote on the so-called Women's Health Protection Act, which is really the Abortion on Demand Until Birth Act. Within the past hour, Republicans in the Senate spoke out strongly against the legislation, doing so on the Senate floor and then at a press conference just a few moments ago. Join me now to talk 
about this and what's behind it is Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas, who is a member of the Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. He is also a former business owner and a physician that has delivered over 5,000 babies. Dr. Marshall, welcome back to the program. Tony, great to be on with you tonight. All right, the Senate is back from uh, recess, and with everything going on in the world, I mean, we have Ukrainians fighting for freedom against Russia, who need help desperately. I mean, the president, Zelensky, is asking for ammunition. And what are we doing in our Senate? We're not humanitarian aid, not security for the Ukrainians, but we're trying to eliminate all pro-life legislation that's been passed in the states over the last 40 years. Yeah, Tony, I I, I can't believe it myself. At At a time when Vladimir Putin is murdering Ukrainians, my Democrat colleagues want to murder more unborn Americans. For any reason, up until the baby takes its first breath, can you imagine that? Up until the baby takes its first breath, they want to do and be able to do an abortion. Uh, I've never seen anything like this, and I just want to highlight all the work that Family Research Council has done, all your listeners, my folks back home, the Kansans for Life folks, the Susan B. Anthony uh, folks, all those people that work so hard to protect the life of the unborn, as well as the health of the moms. In one swoop, the Democrats want to wipe all that out and stop it. Um, it's just, it's just, uh, just unthinkable. And you know, I just walked off the Senate floor, and it's just, it's so emotional right now. I, I can hardly even, I uh, just communicate how, how upset we are about this. Well, Senator Marshall, this actually does expose some things on the left because you know it is the the, the abortion wing of the Democratic Party that is pushing for this vote, even though they, they're pretty certain it's going to fail because it's not going to get the 60 votes to move forward. But they want they think this is their best chance to codify Roe v. Wade into law, which exposes the left's mantra that abortion on demand is the law of the land. It actually is not. That's a lie that we've been living under. It's a court decision. But now, knowing that the court may very well overturn Roe, they're trying to make a law forcing abortion on all of America. Right. And of course, this goes way beyond what Roe v. Wade said. And you and I think that abortion is wrong at every moment, that life begins at conception. But this goes way, way beyond anything we could have ever dreamed of. Uh, it, it does things like if, if a faith-based hospital would be tied up in courts because they don't do abortions, conscious objection. So a person like myself I would have had to quit medical school over this issue. I think if we lose conscious objection, we're going to lose half of the medical students and nursing students if they knew they were going to be forced to participate in an abortion. Uh, this, this law gets rid of, of uh, informed consent and parental consent. Uh, it just goes on on and on how, how far it, it goes. But mostly it wipes out any type of state laws that you and I have worked so hard about, whether it's the uh, partial birth uh, abortion laws or just protecting mom's health. Let's think about that just for a second. Let's focus on mom's health for a moment. This legislation would allow these abortions to be done in a garage, in the backroom apartment. It would not have any more uh, states would say, look, if you're doing abortions, you have to at least have it at the same level as a surgery center that's uh, certified by the, by the health department. So they would get rid of that. And no longer would they require physicians to do this procedure. They would allow nurse midwives, physicians assistants to do the procedure. And I'm telling you, Tony, I trained as an obstetrician myself. 
I would never even dream of letting a, a, an intern do this procedure. So four years of medical school and maybe a second or third year residence when we would let people, you know, walk in that operating room alone. This, uh, this, will, be, this, will, this will cost women's their lives, it's going to cost their future fertility. We'll have women bleeding to death, infected, and become infertile because of these procedures being done by novices. You know, Dr. Marshall, there's so many examples of the unintended consequences of the legislation that the left has pushed just in the last year. But what you've just listed off in this one piece of legislation, when we're already in a healthcare crisis, in part because of the health, the, the vaccine mandates, we have a shortage in, in the healthcare field already, this would create even further. I mean, do they not even consider the consequences of their actions? You know, I'm not sure they're even aware of them, Tony. I, I understand that there are people in medical school that don't have strong, strong opinions on this. But most people that go into healthcare would walk away. Look, they say, look, I, I'm not going to judge you. But but most most uh, people in medical school would say, I don't want to participate in this. Yeah. And certainly not at this extreme level. You think about these late term abortions that they would be performing. Uh, it, again, it scares me to death. They're, they're so complicated. They're so hard to, to perform. Uh, so I'm some nurse practitioner doing this, a PA doing it. I couldn't imagine. And I, and really, no, they don't think of the unintended consequences. They have no idea how many people would say, no, I'm done. Well, you know, my daughter's in healthcare, and I know she would walk away from it if she had to, uh, to be a part of this. Uh, Dr. Roger Marshall, always great to talk with you. Thank you for fighting the fight there on Capitol Hill. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, Tony, and thank you for keeping the fight. I just want to encourage your listeners to reach out to their senators and their congressmen. See how they vote on this tonight and blow their phones up tomorrow. I don't know how any person could take communion on Sunday and vote in favor of this bill. So if you have a Democrat House, a Democrat senator that votes yes on this, I hope your, your folks blow up their phones and their emails tomorrow asking them in good conscience how could they vote yes for this uh, late-term abortion bill. Good advice. Folks, take that advice. Uh, we got to go for a break. We're going to be back on the other side of the break, so stick with us. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. 
In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students, are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us on this Monday afternoon. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Again, this evening, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You can go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. I'll be giving my state of faith, family, and freedom uh, in America. That's tonight at 8 p.m. in advance of President Biden's State of the Union address tomorrow night. Speaking of President Biden, his uh, nomination of Judge Katanja G. A contingent Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court has triggered intense scrutiny of her record, with most of the focus expected on her judicial philosophy rather than her personal history. What do we know so far about the judge who has been tapped to replace Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer uh, when he retires later this year? Join me now to talk about this by phone is Carrie Severino, president of the Judicial Crisis Network. Carrie, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for having me. So what do we know about Judge Jackson so far? Well, you know, she's been a judge for a a while now, for almost nine years, and most of that time on the district court in in D.C. In that time, um, you know, she's obviously had to decide a lot of cases. One of my concerns is that a lot of those cases were ones dealing with Trump regulations, and we saw her overturning many of those regulations, or at least attempting to, in cases where she didn't really have the judicial authority to do so, and later had to be reversed by the D.C. Circuit. Now, remember, the D.C. Circuit, which is the appellate court over her at that time, is majority um, liberal appointees, and some of these panels reversing her included two out of three liberal judges. So that really says to me, I'm concerned that this is someone who's making political decisions, reaching beyond their judicial role. And then finally, I was very concerned because she had an exchange with Senator Cruz during her her um, Judiciary Committee hearing for the current role she has, which is now as an appellate judge. And Senator Cruz asked her if she endorsed the living Constitution, this idea that judges can kind of evolve the Constitution rather than just interpret the words as they were written. She said she didn't really have a position on how to interpret the Constitution. I find that really shocking for someone who already is a federal judge who is getting a promotion to an appellate judge. Frankly, I would find that shocking from a third-year law student 
And so it's really concerning to me that someone who could be sitting on the Supreme Court, the last word on, on the Constitution, is, either has no interpretive philosophy of how to interpret that document or is unwilling to share that with the American people. Well, her judicial uh, education, her academic background is quite impressive, uh, but it is reflective, I think, of where the Ivy League law schools are for the most part uh, today. So I think when you look at, uh, as you said, her judicial philosophy or where she's come down, the fact that you've had the uh, the, the D.C. district uh, overturn her, I mean, she's left of the left, it would appear. Absolutely. I mean, there were, there were several judges that he was kind of deciding between, and it seems very clear. He went with the most liberal judge he could, which is amazing. There's only, he's got 50 votes in the Senate, but I think he's so confident he knows that he can get Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema to vote for basically anyone he puts up, because that's what they've done so far. They voted for every single Democratic nominee. And he was also getting a lot of pressure from the liberal dark money groups who bankrolled his campaign, spent hundreds of millions of dollars. They said it's, it's Ketanji or Voss, basically, and, and uh, they wanted the most liberal judge they could possibly get their hands on. So it, that, that, I think, is the reason he went in this direction rather than one of the potentially more moderate picks he could have gone with. Let's talk about that for just a moment, Carrie. The the dark money that has been behind this, even to the point of forcing, really, uh, Justice Breyer to retire. This has been a well-funded, well-coordinated effort that has got us to this point. Oh, absolutely. And we're just starting to learn the real extent of it. Um, I mean, it, this is there. There are a lot of groups that sounds like they're different groups, but they're all part of this overarching umbrella network that we call Arabella Advisors. And it, it, they, they say, oh, well, you know, we're not in any one of these groups. They have hundreds of groups underneath them that are then can just kind of look at the, give the appearance of being lots of different interest groups. You know, you might have Floridians for healthcare and Nebraskans for healthcare, Minnesotans for healthcare. Turns out they're all run by the same people. That's kind of what we're seeing here. And it's some of the some of the most extreme groups on judicial issues as well are part of this umbrella network. And you're right; these are the groups that were going so far as to have a um, a billboard rolling around D.C., a mobile billboard that was saying "Justice Breyer retire." I mean, that's that's really out of line. I think and inappropriate. Uh, for the level uh, of, of the Supreme Court justice to be treating them with that much disrespect. It's as if once they had an opportunity to replace him with someone younger and more radical, they had no more interest in Justice Breyer, despite him being one of the most one of the liberal members of the court. But just to kind of give folks a sense of the, well, how far these groups will go, they were also the ones involved in the anti-Kavanaugh effort. Absolutely. It's the same people. And they even, when Justice Breyer was promoting his most recent book, they were going to a speech and heckling him. I mean, it's, it's really bizarre that the idea that this is a good way to approach our judicial system. They were mounting campaigns. And remember, there were some groups that recently were at his house protesting in advance of the, of the Dobbs decision, um, trying to intimidate. Justice Kavanaugh. So they're they're uh, is really they're really not willing to stop at anything, whether it's smear campaign or uh, implicit threats against the justices themselves. And that's that's completely uh, antithetical to our American spirit and to what the Supreme Court is supposed to be, which is judges who are uh, insulated from the, those kinds of pressures and not people who are going to be the target of these types of smear campaigns. So I think we have to be really clear and, and firm to stand against that. 
Uh, Carrie Severino, final question for you. I know this is a, uh, a simply, essentially an exchange of a liberal on the court for another liberal, although I would say she's probably to the right of the current justice, I mean, to the left of the current justice. Will she face just token Republican opposition in the Senate, or might they really take a hard look at her judicial background and, uh, and, and put up uh, a significant fight in her confirmation process? Well, you know, unfortunately, the reality is we only have 50 votes in the Senate. So even if every single Republican voted against her, she still technically has enough votes to get through with Vice President Harris's tiebreaker. And that's a reminder to everyone. Elections have consequences, and it doesn't just mean the president. The senatorial elections have real consequences. You know, if we had a different Senate, you might not have seen the most radical nominee pick for this slot, right? But, but Biden knew that he could put through anyone as long as he had that bare minimum control of the Senate. I think we should, of course, never go the direction of having these personal attacks and smear campaigns, but we do have to have a serious inquiry into her judicial philosophy. I think this is an opportunity to remind the American people about the significance of the court and the significance of the issues being decided there, and to make sure that those, including any Democrats and, and Republicans who decide to vote for her, recognize what they're endorsing in terms of that approach, uh, that freewheeling approach to the Constitution that, that allows judges to become politicians. So we need to make sure that that conversation, this is our opportunity where there's a spotlight on right. it to have this discussion, even if ultimately the Democrats refuse to break ranks and they just um, greenlight yet another radical nominee by this president. And and I also think it's helpful to make the left spend up their money uh, in advance of mm-hmm. the uh, midterm election. Kerry Severino, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this afternoon. Appreciate all the great work you do on the judicial front. Thanks. Have a great day. All right, uh, Carrie Severino, Judicial Crisis Network. Find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, for nearly three weeks now, Polish-Canadian pastor Arthur Polowski has been detained at the Calgary Remand Center after joining a Freedom Convoy blockade in Alberta, Canada. He was uh, in order to preach to and pray with those demonstrators. He, he went there to, to preach with them, to, to pe- preach to them, to pray with them, and he was arrested. Here to update us on his situation is Adam Sos. He's a reporter with Toronto-based Rebel News who has been tracking this. Uh, Adam, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. All right. Can can you tell us about what's happened over the last three weeks uh, with Pastor Arthur? Yeah, certainly. Again, all of this stemming back over the two past two years with COVID restrictions, obviously. Um, some of the early charges against Pastor Arthur Pavlowski stemming um, from the very get-go of COVID-19. Uh, ultimately, what we have here, though, is a pastor who, uh, not involved in any sort of criminal activity, what he has done is opened his church, has fed homeless people, and has preached to people. Um, but apparently in a COVID-19 world with COVID-19 restrictions, those uh, actions are enough to garner the ire of political authorities and health officials in the province. So the latest incident, uh, what, what effectively happened was Pastor Arthur Pavlowski went down to the Coots uh, Milk River blockade right opposite Sweetgrass, Montana, um, and he was with them for a short period of time. He prayed with them, uh, and then he left. He has 
surprisingly and shockingly been charged under a relatively new law, the Critical uh, Infrastructure Defense Act, which effectively allows um, for the government to sort of take extraordinary measures or have specific charges um, largely intended for blockades of pipeline constructions or railways being blocked. Um, in this instance, he's actually the first person in history to be charged under this specific act. Uh, the people who are actually physically blockading the, the border, the people who were there for weeks uh, on end, um, they've not been charged under this act. Only Pastor Arthur Pawlowski has been charged. And it's just further proof to the fact that this is a, he is very much a political prisoner and he's being targeted as a pastor for daring to publicly decry the government. But more than that, what he's doing ultimately is simply preaching, opening his church and feeding the homeless people on the streets here, the people who rely on him. So he has been behind bars, denied bail, apparently too great a liability to be released uh, for about three weeks now. And he doesn't have a date, a court date pending until uh, March 10th or 11th. So he's going to be in jail at least that long. Um, we do have a lawyer. We're crowdfunding legal fees for Pastor Arter at SaveArter.com because he couldn't afford to stand up for himself uh, with all of these charges coming against him. So we are hoping that the denial of bail will be appealed. But again, for the time being, he's in jail indefinitely. So let me just get this straight, Adam. Pastor Arter was down there preaching, praying. He was not chained to a bridge. Uh, he was not lying across the road blocking it. He was just down there praying with and encouraging those that were there as a as a spiritual leader. And yep. after he left, he was arrested? Yeah, so effectively what happened, he and this is what, part of the wild thing with all this that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. He actually went home and was at home for a while. Um, police know who his lawyer is. They never contacted his lawyer. Uh, police know... Uh, who he is and where he lives. They know where to find him. Um, he was set to go down another time. So it's, he's not even staying out there. He's there for a couple hours in the afternoon, then he leaves. Um, he was set to head down again and join the people for prayer and do his job as a pastor and then to leave again. And as he was ready to leave his house, basically un, ununiformed officers, uh, plainclothes officers, and what amounts to basically SWAT team stormed his house as he was walking down the steps and dragged him away, uh, once again taking him into custody. This is uh, the fifth arrest, the third time he's been incarcerated. And every time they do these dramatic SWAT-style arrests where the man has never not shown up for court, the man has never been violent whatsoever, um, but they keep doing these dramatic shows of force as though it's going to dissuade him from continuing to do his job as a pastor, and he's made pretty clear that it's not. Um, we see criminals being uh, granted bail. There was an incident at one of the protests along with the truck convoy in Winnipeg where someone actually rammed people rammed people in the crowd with their vehicle. They were reportedly granted bail, but a pastor who went and prayed with the people was not. So, Adam, how are the people responding to this? I mean, do they not see this as yet another example of the overreach of the government? You know, I think, unfortunately, given that so we're one of the only outlets, there's a few out there, certainly, but that is truly independent. Most media outlets, uh, they get their funds from the government. And so it, it, it behooves them to play along and, and adhere to the government narratives. Um, so I think Canadians are very complicit because we actually get far more traction on this story. People are far more concerned for this religious persecution from abroad when we talk to people from Poland, Brazil, 
the United States broadly, a lot of support for Pastor Arthur Pawlowski. They're extremely concerned. Senator Josh Hawley has even called for Canada to be added to a religious freedom violators list with the likes of China and North Korea and some of these other countries. Um, Canadians, sadly, though, there is certainly a contingent that is like, this is ridiculous, particularly with the never-ending charges piling up. But uh, unfortunately, I do think with the overwhelming narrative of bought and paid for media in this country, Canadians are not awake to just how bad it is. They've almost been desensitized to the fact that a pastor is behind bars. This is the type of thing we, we see in maybe China, certainly not the type of thing we should see in Canada. And I want to remind you that he's there's actually, he's been in jail the most, but three pastors in Alberta, in my province here, have been arrested and spent time behind bars over uh, opening their churches effectively. Amazing. Uh, this is just happening uh, north of our border. Although I would have to say, Adam, you know, we've had our own share of, uh, you know, government overreach here in the United States mm -hmm. during this pandemic. And, and I have to say thank you to the Canadian truckers in particular for inspiring the truckers here in the United States who we had on the program earlier today as they're making their way here to Washington, D.C. So uh, I was very encouraged by what I've seen in Canada that there are those that still uh, want to fight for freedom. And so uh, our hat's off to you, and uh, thanks so much for joining us today as well. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, folks, uh, th this is alarming. Uh, and, and I think we need to speak out. I'm going to have some action items. I don't know exactly what it is yet, uh, but we're going to take on uh, Pastor Arthur's case. Um, I mean, from a standpoint of promoting it so that people know what is happening in Canada, because it's just like what uh, we were dealing with in uh, Finland uh, with Pave, the member of parliament there. If these things go un they don't get the attention internationally that they need. These governments will continue to move forward and restrict the freedoms of people. And guess what? Those here at home will see that we don't care, and they'll start to restrict it even more here in the United States. All right, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Tune in tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, for the State of Faith, Family, and Freedom. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.